Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Retro Anime Podcast. I'm your host Ian and as always I'm here with my co-host Lewis. Whoa, double figures, let's go! Yes, here we are in double figures. So, quite proud we've got here. We had a bit of a bumpy start but here we are, double figures. 2017, a very good year for the podcast. This being our first recording um, podcast for 2018. And we've seen, you know, a steady fan base grow through the year. And, you know, I'd really genuinely like to thank everyone who's um, who's listened to us and downloaded and supported us on uh, Twitter and followed us on Twitter and, and, and listened to us. You know, it's really, really appreciated. It's it's nice to know that um, there are out, people out there in, enjoying what we do. So um, it's, you know, gives a, it's a very satisfying feeling with that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and with New Year, New Me. Just uh, send in your questions as well. We don't really answer any questions. I think that'll be a nice little segment for the new year. Yeah, Just, um, we, we, we've had a few, but it's nice if it become a more regular thing, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Any questions, comments you have for uh, Lewis and I, then then send them in. Email, Twitter, on the comments on the podcast or anything. So, uh, send them in. Today's episode, uh, what are we going to do? We're going to go back to something we did in episode three. Um, we're going to dive back into the plethora of OVAs that never saw the light of day in the West. Um, there's a great big bucket of these which Lewis and I will will work through them every, you know, regular six, seven, eight episodes we'll we'll pluck a few out and we'll we'll go and we'll go and throw away the turds for your enjoyment. <laughs> Absolutely. While we're talking about episode three, there's something I wanna to clarify at this point. So in that episode we talked about Salamander and I stated it hadn't got a release in the West. And Professor Irony on the Anime UK news forums um, did point out to me that actually it got a, a, a VHS release in the mid-90s. Um, it was released by one of the very, very small licenses, Western Connection. Um, so I certainly never saw it in any of the shops I bought. Um, I didn't get Manga Mania every month, so I might have missed it being released. But, um, but yeah, it did... It, it did get released, but hasn't been seen since, though, uh, <laughs> having said that. So, obscure OVAs, what we're going to look at today. Our first review is going to be of an OVA called Dream Dimension Hunter Fandora. This is actually, I have to say, it's three-part OVA. I've only actually seen the first episode of this, so, um, so some of this was new to me coming into this. It's got quite an interesting background, which we'll talk about shortly. Another thing we're going to talk about is uh, Dragon's Heaven, which, when sort of the anime explosion happened in in the early 2000s, Dragon's Heaven was it's it quickly developed a real cult status, and it was a long, long time before it got a fan sub, and it was one of those things, a bit like um, uh, Shining Heresy, the Votomes OVA, that you know it was it was untranslatable and there'd never be a fan sub of it, but both of those got fan subbed eventually, so um, yeah, it's a that really is an obscure one. Which um, and it was, like I say, it was talked about in in real cult legendary terms. And again, one of those things, I think it was a bit of internet whispers where a lot of people were actually wrong. Once I actually saw it and you know saw what it was about and you know some of the history, real history behind it, um, yeah, it was one of those things. Uh, you know, like I said a bit about it during the Idiot review that it, um, you know, people were talking about it and making claims and statements about it without ever having seen it. So, 
yeah, it's another very interesting one. First review today is Dream Dimension Hunter Fandora. This is a three-episode OVA from 1985, directed by three individual directors, Kazuyuki Okasako, Hiroshi Yoshida and Shigenori Kagiyama, respectively directed episodes one, two and three. It was created by Go Nagai, the legend behind Majinga Z and Devilman and all that sort of stuff, and it was produced by Dynamic Planning. Yoshida, he predominantly was a storyboard writer and as only other director credit is But Attack Punisher Girl Gautaman, or actually R, which is the sequel, which uh, is something we will talk about at some point. Okaseko uh, had a few TV credit, director credits to his name from the 70s and 80s and Kagiyama has a quite a long history with various direction storyboard credits but again, not stuff that a typical Western fan would have heard of quite a lot of sort of obscure, much more obscure Japan sort of based stuff. Pandora was also released by uh, Hirosama Shibazaki in an English dub version. So it's a bit of a grey line as it was licensed or not. He created an English dub version with the idea of starting a commercial anime video market in the US. Um, it could be bought by mail order from Japan, but it the the whole exercise sort of fizzled out due to the high price a lack of advertising and a very small number of uh, fans in america at the time who would buy it so i classify that as not being licensed that was just someone trying to uh, send it out one thing i will say one of our followers slow anime at slow anime uh, he did send some links to the english trailer um, and some music videos italian music which I'll put links up on the website and on Twitter. Um, a fan sub is available of all three episodes. Quite a decent one. It's got decent subs, good video quality, so uh, it's easy to find. So, a quick synopsis. What is Fandora about? Lady Fandora possesses the Jewel of Lupia, which she uses to count bounties on criminals. Accompanied by her shape-changing friend Q, they embark on a dimensional journey to try and find the elusive Yog Sogus. So, Lewis... What do you think of Dream Dimension Hunter Fandora? Cool, blimey, what a roller coaster. The narrative is all over the place. Yeah. Um, it just... it's it is a a ripe mess. Yeah. But I have to say it's nice. It's fun. It's stupid. It it's it's I I think it was a tug of war between the writers mm. between bringing it more to a very serious and dark side uh, story to a very light-hearted and almost shonen um, mm. encounter uh, yeah. start I completely anime. Agree. It's, it's, it's honestly it's it's neither or and it's it's bloody awful but great in the same at the same yeah time. it is it it is a bit of a funny like you say it's a tonal mess and i think there is a bit of consistency between the three directors, and I think this is its biggest downfall, is you've got three directors, each with their own idea. 
Because episode one kicks off as a more of a sort of light-hearted action, I, yeah. you know, yeah. general, like you say, a bit more of a standard shonen type thing. And then episode two suddenly becomes very serious and it's got lots of depth and the whole Sothu and uh, Fontaine bit, uh, you know. And yeah. and then episode three is just a... I think episode three is the messiest episode. Oh, um, God. And, you know, it's got it's got like that terrible character PK sort of mm. added in and it just goes all over the shop and it, and it comes to a bit of a messy conclusion. If it was very repetitive between the three episodes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of strange. Well. The first episode, the first episode feels like a, like a space Western. Yeah. And then the second episode is very neo noir, which is like, I, I don't know. It's, it's very odd because obviously the first episode I was like, oh, good, cool. I think I'm in for a little bit of a space dandy sort of cowboy bebop uh, mashup. Um, that <laughs> potentially with uh, Quay's little quirky character and I'm not sure where he fits in. And then it's almost like late second episode into the third episode. They were like, does Quay fulfill any purpose? So let's yeah. make him the keeper of yeah. the orbs and it's just like where did that come from yeah why are you hitting me with these character arcs that make no sense in any sequence yeah and it does that usual thing which we've talked about in in various ovas that we we've reviewed on the podcast is that it it suddenly throws all this backstory exposition right oh. in at the last episode and explains yeah, and it yeah it frustrates me because you could seed that stuff so much more organically through the series but no just got to dump it in at the last episode i mean they obviously had that kind of idea but yeah it does all just feel dumped in episode three the whole yeah, it's mad story it's absolute madness because i think the first episode not really a lot happens no it's 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 very much like ah you know it, it's a little bit dark in the in the sense that you're like you, you feel like you're on this like joyful ride through space dimensions on basically a space western you're like oh okay they're dimension hunters bounty hunters it's, it's yeah we're on sort of a cowboy bebop vibe here from my yeah. sort of like obviously that was produced afterwards like 98 or yeah something. yeah that's it 98 uh, yeah and that was the whole like oh cool i i, I could jam with this like space dandy is awesome yeah. and and so like, actually the same i think it's the same writer for space space dandy and cowboy bebop but either way yeah like cowboy bebop is, is great um so I was I was really into it, and I was like, it's it's a little bit dark. So I got that, but then I I, was, I, I just I realized it was a little bit too lighthearted for that. Yeah. Uh, but then as it progressed, it got very very dark, and then sort of flipped that on its head again, and and carried on as if it was, uh, as if it was just a joyful little run around space. And yeah. I didn't know I didn't know how to feel about it because Quay's character never fulfills any sort of major role um, other than just being there for a little bit of comic relief for the first yeah. episode and a half. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, Fandora, she obviously carries it alone through throughout, but I, her, her character development makes no sense because it's not until, it's not until the third episode where out of nowhere PK is introduced and he gives her her dilemma. So like she's got nothing to really overcome. Yeah. Like you, you, you obviously you, you can't doubt her her character and it's like okay she must overcome evil fantastic but she's not given any you know anything to character develop over there's no early hurdle it's just yeah. like this happens this happens oh pk now tells her that if she's hurting her heart if um she hurts people yeah and that's 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 her one character flaw yeah her 
her is her dilemma, her emotional dilemma between being good and being a space dimension bounty hunter. Yeah. But that's not in, that's not introduced until the last episode. So yeah, and I, the, probably halfway yeah. through the first episode, uh, the last episode yeah. as well, because it's because it's weird because Pandora's a bit magical girl as well because she transforms. Yeah. And does all the magical girl stuff as well, you know, and it's just what does it want to be? Does it does it want to be sci fi? Does it want to be a magical girl show? Mm. Does it want to be a creature show? Yeah, it's it is very, very messy. Oh, it's madness. I, and, I enjoyed it though. It's kind uh, of like it's, you know, it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I've seen the first episode of this many, many years ago mm. on a VHS fan sub in the late nineties. And then it's kind of been on my radar and I was looking at, I was digging through the old OVAs to try and find, you know, the stuff to look at. And I thought, oh, Vandora, God, I vaguely remember that from a long time ago. So I thought, oh, that'll be a good one to go. And if you look on the internet, it's generally got a pretty bad rap. You know, it's got it's very middling low reviews on it. Yeah. Uh, when I put up on Twitter that we're reviewing this, got some comments saying, oh, yeah, it's a bit, didn't, didn't think very much of that. So I kind of went in with reasonably low expectations. The first episode, I have to say, I was kind of like, oh, do you know what? I actually quite enjoyed that. And then with the second and third episode, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see as, as an OVA, it's, it's, it's a real mess. I've watched it a couple of times because the second and third episode were my, were my first viewings. And, you know, I wanted to, I watched them again t- so I could really, you know, take them in. And, and I have to say, on, the, on repeat viewings, I actually enjoyed it a bit more. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually thought it got a little bit better. Not much better, but I did kind of enjoy it a little bit more. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in it. I think the battle scenes generally are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, the final fight scene in uh, episode one, when the orbs are banging against each other, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, the scene at the beginning of episode three, when Yog Sogus's fleet attacks one of the dimensions, is is really cool. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few bits like that in episode one where Pandora fights the spider monster in in the uh, in the arena in the arena, you know, stuff yeah. like that. I think is is done really well. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like whatever came through on pacing the whoever directed the fight scenes and and that that was really well done because it cuts at the right time. The pacing is good. It keeps mm, the suspense yeah, flowing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's it's like everyone's everyone who's involved in the fight scenes has a, a part to play in the success, which is grand. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's great. It, despite how, you know, PK is a non in really an inconsequential character. He does have a, a major role in that final fight scene in, yeah. in allowing the events to, to, to pass. Uh, and that's really well put together. And I, I really enjoyed those, the construction of them because that, that's actually really nicely paced. Yeah. It's just, with what going back to what you were saying about just watching the first episode, the first episode could be a totally different anime. Yeah. Uh, if you watch it alone and then two years later watched episode two and three, you'd be like, "Cool, blimey, this is um, characters look familiar, but this is no, this doesn't <laughs> ring a bell." Yeah. Because <laughs> episode one is just standalone. Yeah, pretty good actually. Yeah. yeah. You're like a oh, cool little short story. Like I didn't really get to know much about the characters, but I know enough to you know have a little bit of closure. It, it would leave you wanting more, and then like two and if two and three ever came along, then you know you'd hope it would be better put together. <laughs> so. Yeah, because it's. I'd love to know like how it was put together. Whether there was like a single writer who then got individual 
the individual directors in to do it? You know, was it by committee? Because it's not great, but it is, you know, as we said, there are a lot of good bits to it. It isn't, I wouldn't say it's terrible. It feels like somebody or a number of people had some real ambition for it, for what they wanted to do with this, with this OVA, but they just couldn't quite execute it, you know, and, and quite live up to the, the ambition they had for it. Because mm. the running, it's got quite a lot of screen time, really. It's in, in the three, over the three episodes, it's got pretty much two hours of screen time. And I kind of think you could probably lose a good half an hour out of that and probably think, have quite a yeah. tight story. I think you could take about, I, I, if I was to remake it, I would introduce PK into the first, first episode as just a voice that comes over the radio and a cut to, yeah, um, of yeah. him and his ship, like talking to, um, talking to Fandora about stealing his bounties and stuff like that, yeah. his interdimensional bounties. Because then that would, like, if then later on when she wakes up on his ship and he, like, says oh so that's how you were able to take out all these guys then that would be a nice little callback because you're like oh they do have that competitive relationship yeah, yeah there's a lot i would take from the third episode and i would stick it into the second episode to make the character growth obvious and i would stick what um what pk says about her hurting her her heart yeah. into the first episode as yeah. well so it'd give her something to overcome through the first fight yeah so absolutely. you know that she's grown uh, but 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 because it's such a, a mess you can't you leave you leave the third episode going all oh, right yeah fair yeah enough. i completely um, agree it's, it's it's very underwhelming you know the final fight scene you're like ah cool yeah well evil's defeated of course it would have been but the ride hasn't been that fun no that's part of the problem in it i think it it's so sort of end heavy in all that story and with episode two because the whole bit with Fontaine and Soto it's it's a quite a neat bit you know this Soto is this you know this remaining bit of your Sogus's conscious um you know and if he defeats that then there's nothing that's holding back to taking over the, the whole galaxy mm. or whatever mm. and it it's strung out it's in a bit of a funny order yeah, and tonally it's a mess because that bit takes it very dark and it tries to be really meaningful with the whole relationship between Soto and Fontaine. Mm. You know, it really tries to pack in or create some character depth, but it doesn't. It just doesn't really pay off, and it feels so inconsistent with what happened in the first episode as well. Yeah. So, and then you watch the third episode, which does a load of other stuff slightly differently and. Yeah. yeah, and then, like you yeah. say, at the end, you're just a bit like, mm, yeah, I'm a bit underwhelmed, it was okay. Yeah, um, it's just weird how Soto's created. Yeah, well. out of nothing as well. Yeah. No, yeah, he's like created from the blue orb that strikes a bit of rock and that turns him into yeah, now you see, the, that's, the remaining that, bit. It's like, where the bloody hell has that come yeah, from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, stuff like that is it's just it's just kind of convenient and it's done and and they're yeah. still, and um, Deadlander, you know, it's still being put back together and it, it it kind of feels a bit. It's, they've plucked ideas and not really known how like to story develop line. them. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you ever need an analogy uh, for the entire story, look at Deadlander trying um, desperately to repair it. Yeah, and it, it it just all feels a bit plucked out of well, out a bit of plucked ether. out of thin air, doesn't it? Out of the yeah. ether, yeah. So, um, yeah, plot wise, it's 
it's it is a bit of a mess. But you know, on the good side, I would say we've talked about some of the battle scenes are very well well done. I quite like Q's dragon design. I think as a dragon, I think I don't know. I think it's quite a nice design, but again, feels a bit comedic at times. Um, feels mm. like something that should be out of a six-year-old cartoon series. Um, yeah, um, he's, he's drawn very comic relief. So yeah, it's he's very got... strange when he's been given when he gets given such a, a basically a decisive role yeah. in the story. Because he just in... feels like the goofy sidekick. Yeah, exactly, and especially so in episode one, I think, because I think in in episode one, you, there's all sorts of different character designs. There's not like a consistent character design throughout all the characters that appear in it. Because you've got like classic 80s anime girl. And then you've got, you know, Q, who's like really goofy with the big flat mouth. Um, yeah. Although I'd say his design is less goofy in episodes two and three. He's a very, very goofy character in the first one. And then they're in, they're in the bar in the first episode. You know, you get sort of the serious drawn faces you get the guy with the round face with dots for eyes yeah, uh, yeah. you know and it's it is inconsistent it is all sort of inconsistent I, there's no particular look to it yeah if I you want to read i guess you you could say like i'm sure one of the leap to defense um responses to it is like well they're from multiple dimensions you see there's all sorts of people in this world yeah uh, it's like well that's fair enough but they don't have to you know be all from different art styles. So different. <laughs> yeah yeah q you know he's almost a deity you know he's, yeah he's, he's, demigod dragon or, demigod dragon yeah. so um i can understand you know his character being but yeah it, again it's that couldn't quite decide how it was going to look Fandora's character design i have to say i really really like you know she's a very generic 80s magical girl character but i just think Dude. her design i think is just really nice yeah yeah i think her look i think it's just absolutely spot on yeah um yeah, and she's got a power-up magical girl mode with a with a sword and shield. Again, I'm not too hot on magical girl anime, and from what I do know about it, that feels like a very early because this is 1985. This is I think this is quite a few years, a number of years before Sailor Moon. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I think um, Sailor Moon and everything. Nice. So, so Fandora does feel quite quite an early model for for that sort of thing. Oh, 92. Hmm. Uh, oh, from originally aired uh, in 1991 to 1997, Sailor Moon. Yeah, so six years before Sailor Moon, and I can't, I can't think of much more magical girl anime. And and anyone who's listened to this, please correct me. But um, with my with my knowledge, I, I say I, I, she feels like a very very early idea for that. Um, Sailor Mercury, for sure. <laughs> yeah, as I say, I'm not I'm not overly familiar with each one. I I, I can see you're looking them up at the moment yeah so, uh, yeah. yeah so it, like i say feels very very early model for magical girl design uh the spacecraft i think are pretty cool i think they've got really all the spacecraft have got um sort of cool 80s shoot 'em up styling and design to them uh pk's craft he's he annoys the uh crap out of me as a character but he has got a really cool ship he has um, got a very cool ship yeah. uh you know it, and um and all the craft as we said at the the uh, space battle at the start of episode three Gog Sogus's craft and and all the sort of accompanying smaller craft looks really good the animation as a whole the artwork I think it's generally not a bad looking anime no, it's it's uh, across the board it ticks boxes yeah it's just it doesn't really tick the right ones no as so, a whole it doesn't 
Yeah, it doesn't. Everyone, everyone who's worked on this has worked on it and and done, you know, to their utmost ability. Yeah, a good job. It, the the issue lies in the writing. Yeah, and and the structure, and some of the conflicting art styles. So, uh, I don't know. It's it's because when you look at the release dates one. for it, they're mm. not like massively spaced apart. The episodes they're sort of not that long. So. Which surprises not... me because they, they, that means they were very early undecided on on what, yeah. where the story was going. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. Which, like I say, I'd love to know how the committee wrote it or how it got written. Did did they have the idea for this first one and then were scrambling for ideas as it went along, which is why you got successive directors <laughs> in it. I, you know, it... it's almost as if they misplaced the notes for episode <laughs> one into episode. It got shuffled into episode three, and they were like, oh bugger. Her entire backstory we completely forgot. <laughs> Damn it! Suddenly, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, like uh, by the way, I'm a I'm a demigod space dragon. You're also a princess. No. <laughs> <laughs> Episode three. It's it's one of those things. It's uh, it, they try and make it culminate by having her character arc decided at the final hurdle when when K uh queer 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 when Porque falls and she's just like her requiem to him is just like well i'm not doing it for justice i'm <laughs> doing it for love and then it's just like well love conquers all of course it did i bet you didn't see that one coming and then and then it's it's all over as far as quickly as it started yeah so, yeah yeah you know definitely madness. um how absolute not madness exercise definitely an exercise in how not to write an ova oh, um how not to write character arcs in general just <laughs> insanity yeah because the other thing as well in it going back to some of the some of the good bits there's a lot of shapeshifters in it again which feels like a very 80s thing very early 80s again feels relatively new at that time and that all those bits with Q and Yogg-Sogas feel it's all quite you know like I say it's all quite good stuff in, in bits and pieces um, it just doesn't just doesn't come together as a whole at all. Um, mm. I've watched it a couple of times. Like I say, I, I thought it was better on on my second and on repeat watches. Yeah, it never it, got. You can... Yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, like, once you've seen it all three once, then you could be like, oh, okay. And then you watch, if you can rewatch it and be like, this is really good because your mind puts it in the right place. Yeah, like your mind goes, that's why that's happening. That's why that's happening. You see, if it would have been. If you if you just take it apart and re- reassemble the jigsaw, it's it's a much better OVA. Yeah, and as such, I don't think I could really recommend it. Mm. I think if if you're interested in 80s sci-fi, it is but is a goner guy design. You know, if you're a fan of his work and everything, then I would say definitely go and see it just just to say you've seen it. But for me, it's I I think it's a it's a bit of a difficult recommend. Uh, yeah it's it's bad but it's good it's good that it's bad <laughs> as, as we said there is stuff to like in it but oh yeah it's, you it's, know, it's, I think it's very to... redeeming and, and charming but there's there's other stuff i would say to go and watch before you go and watch this you know i'd i'd ultimately say put it a bit further down your priority list yeah mm. so rating out of 10 out of 10 i'm gonna give it a solid four a four I've given it five. I think it is quite middling. None of it was terrible. You know, it wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. There no. was there was <laughs> enough good stuff in it 
I think, to to make it very average. Yeah, it's it's incredibly average. I I like I love it because it's so average, so much <laughs> that if I wasn't if I want to be really critical, I'll give it a four. But I love it because it's so stupid. Um, so I, for personal rating, for if I took away all my criticisms, I'd give it a seven, just because it's quite hilarious to watch through, uh, and it's enjoyable. It's 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 got a, a few nice little beats, but yeah. overall, it's it's pretty terrible. Yeah, uh, I say I even I struggle to say that it's terrible. I think it's not good, but mm. it's I don't it, I wouldn't go back as far as say it's terrible. No. I, it's story story wise it's terrible animation beautiful but music beautiful yeah um, that's what i mean there's enough good stuff in it to yeah to like there's a lot to like about it even though know, the storytelling is terrible that's um, true it's a love so it is a bit of a love hate one yeah definitely which is why it gets a solid five it's the epitome of an average ova i think yeah, in, and much like it. the story itself, I have contri- uh, contradicted myself many times reviewing this. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, okay, we'll move on to our second review then, um, looking at Dragon's Heaven. So, Dragon's Heaven is a 1988 one-shot OVA directed by Makoto Kobayashi and produced by Umex. It's based on a manga written by Makoto Kobayashi. Kobayashi uh, had a few other director credits, but he's predominantly credited with lots of mechanical design and production work. Sean O'Mara um, of Colony Drop uh, recently did put up some production sketches of Dragon's Heaven on his website, zimmerit.mo. Wholeheartedly go and recommend that if you're interested in sci-fi. I'll put the link up on, on the website and on Twitter. It's got a lot of um, very cool retro sort of sci-fi mecha stuff on it. It's not been licensed in the West. Um, a fan sub is available. Um, and it's still it's still seeded, so you can find it quite easily. What's Dragon Heavens about? So in the year 3195, there was a war between an army of robots and humans. When Cheyenne, a sentient combat armor, lost his uh, companion in battle, he shut down until his internal system spotted a new human. It's now almost a thousand years later, and Cheyenne's greatest enemy is still alive and doing battle in Brazil. With a new friend's help, Cheyenne may be able to stop this evil force before another war rages over the continent. So, Lou, what did you think of Dragon's Heaven? I really didn't like it. I'm I'm sure that hurts you quite a bit, <laughs> uh, but I really didn't like it. I, I, I kind of like the character, um, the big old uh, robot, um, Cheyenne. But overall... I really didn't like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair enough. You're perfectly yeah. entitled to your opinion. So mm. what didn't you like about it then? I disliked the... It just felt... It, watching it through from start to finish, it felt very self-indulgent. 
for the director. It it was the intro sequence, which which was live action, and it's just him. Well, the the robot that they built. Yeah. Um, I I was completely lost as to what the point of that was. I kind of felt like it was like, oh, okay, cool. This is, I guess this is what we, you know, we'd look at Evangelion like the launch pad, yeah. um, the robot before it goes out to war, sort of thing. But I feel like it could have been easily made more epic through animation itself, rather than the shaky camera, the poor looking animatronic. It, it, <laughs> and then the last, obviously, the last fifteen minutes of the entire thing is 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 him. It's just it's just behind the scenes footage of, footage of how that first part was made yeah and it it undeservedly because it was it was very amateur and the story itself liked the characters dialogue was pretty well written but the the story just really didn't captivate me at all yeah it's um in terms of where you say it's you know self-indulgent you're absolutely right i mean dragon's heaven is an absolute product of japan's bubble economy in the 80s kobayashi he is the epitome of an otaku. He 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 created the manga. You know, he's one of those guys. You, you know, created garage kits, drew manga. You know, got the money to go and create an anime. Purely what he wanted to do ties in with nothing else. It's just just what he wanted to do, and he built those models and the the basic animatronics. I often think the opening bit is effectively a sort of prelude to the or like almost like a prologue to the main story i I see that as the original fight between cheyenne and elmer dane a thousand years ago but Mm. it's done in but done in live action i agree i don't think it adds a lot i mean i i have to say i quite like it i think it's you know only 25 minutes of animation it's very short but it kind of hits all the basic beats along the way I think it tells enough of a story, you know, from a Mecha fan and a Retro Mecha fan, I think it does a lot right. But I can completely understand why a modern fan wouldn't like it. Mm. You know, there isn't much depth. It is a bit odd looking. The the animatronics, I agree, probably do look a bit clunky in this day and age. Yeah, I guess I, I think a lot of it was down to like, I, if, in replacement of that intro sequence, I would have loved to have had a you know, a callback fight scene, even if it was just shots, pans, like, no, even if it wasn't animated and it was just one of those ones where they just pull a still scene slowly across with with good, you know, music and sound effects laid over it. I would have preferred that as like an interpreted callback to the first encounter over what felt like some guy filming his latest sort of garage project in his garage. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, the unfinished table with a bit of, uh, you know, dry ice and smoke machine. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I, I mean, that bit has dated it quite a lot now. I think, mm. um, but the actual anime, for me, there's a, there's quite a lot to like in it. I think the opening scene that shows the end of the war a thousand years ago, I think is mm. pretty good with the bombers and dropping the bombs and and then the the evac. Um, and how they've created the grain to make it look like historical video, yeah. I think is I think is well done. Um, and I think I think it that opening scene creates quite good scale to the war that was going on. You know, there's lots of craft, there's big explosions, and it kind of has that war is hell feel to it as well. 
Yeah. Um, I think that depiction of war in the opening scene is, is quite clever. And Cheyenne is effectively the main character because it tells the story from Cheyenne's point of view all the way through. He yeah. narrates the beginning and talks about how he was reactivated and then how um, Ikaru came, what happened when Ikaru came close to him and reactivated him and everything. You know, I think that's quite good. I think one of the other problems with it with the anime i think the uh, the main problem it is a bit short and it fits most stuff in but the problem with its short running time for me is the final confrontation between shine and elmadane yeah it's, is it's just over instantly it's yeah. really really anticlimactic yeah if, it, if it had given it like three more minutes yeah that would it, have been great because it builds up the rivalry between them massively i mean it's literally mm-hmm. what it spends the first like 20 what like 23 minutes doing yeah is building that rivalry up and yeah. then it's and the literally over in 30 yeah. seconds the explanation that he needs a a human pilot to have the sort of tactical edge over el medin and for almost no reason at all el medin returns to the brazilian empire doesn't he and, and brings his extra uh, minions robots yeah. with him into the front lines and then it's over yeah, is the the animation like I did I did enjoy the the quality of the animation and there's a lot going on at the screen at the same time especially yeah. the the panoramic scene of the desert where it shows Elmadine's forces and all these yeah. ships yeah. flying by at the same time that's impressive um, you can tell a lot of money went into that uh, the music's great as well the overall effects when she first fires the dragon that's really cool yeah um, that the uh, um yeah where Ikaru fires the dragon fire at um, yeah. Orionis, I think is yeah. that is a really really cool action sequence. Yeah. I think that is absolutely fantastic. And a lot of care and detail has gone into the, the even the, the small aspects of the animation you wouldn't notice first watch through, which is you know the, afterwards the ships slowly sinking down, trails and of, of still lit fire and smoke and damage from the hull of the ship that's yeah. been hit. You know small small things that make the difference in the scene. Having said that, I just I, it, it, I wouldn't say it left me wanting more. It just me, left me expecting more. Yeah, because uh, you know, going back to the ending, it basically there's such a big build up to it. Elmadine is portrayed as this really, really formidable adversary who's been battling for the last thousand years, and then literally Cheyenne and Elmadine meet. Cheyenne fires. Elmadine's destroyed. That's it. Yeah, it's over. It's, like, it's literally as as quickly as I've just said it. That's the ending. And yeah. like I say, it just needed literally just a few more minutes to make it feel a bit more complete because all that scale of the war that I was talking about that it builds up in the first scene lost completely. I think yeah. it loses all sense of that sort grandeur. of epic grandeur. Absolutely, it's disappointing because I think up until that point, it's it's really good. Yeah, you know, those, then, those battle scenes and everything are, are fantastic. Yeah, and then for some reason you're like, it's not like they were. It just feels like a massive cop out because afterwards, like you, you get that, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, our job is done. It's like, well, well you said, like the, the story is solid apart from the one aspect that you said you needed the human pilot. Yeah. Which fulfilled nothing. It yeah. fulfilled nothing. Yeah. It, it that 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 one key aspect of your short plot has not been fulfilled. Like, I get it. The rest of it's really tight. You can't really argue with a lot of the other stuff. But that one key point 
that you needed a human pilot and you have the flashback to show your previous pilot getting shot in the head and why you fell in battle is thrown out the window and is inconsequential. In, in it ruins everything for me yeah. on that point. And then, and then afterwards, I'm rewarded by getting to a sit and watch through 15 minutes of you tinker with a bloody robot. <laughs> uh, it, it really yeah. angered me. <laughs> it, it, I think probably at the time, if you think back in the VHS days, sometimes you would get special features at the end of the tape. It was not like a DVD where you could go to a chapter. So I could probably mm. understand why he did it. He just tacked it on the back of the VHS, you know, yeah. the production report. But yeah. To be honest, I don't think it shows a great deal. It only shows them building it and, and moving them about. I mean, those models are enormous mm, as well. Yeah. You know, you can see the scale of it. And, you know, the way they move at the beginning and stuff, the little detail in the pilot, you, you know, it's hard to argue that it's, you know, it is impressive for when it was done in the in the late 80s. But, yeah, it doesn't, no it, doubt, yeah. It doesn't add anything to it at all. Yeah. It's, There's no doubt he had a good team of animators on board. Yeah. Um, it's just a case of, you know, do they run out of budget? Yeah, because, I, I mean, yeah, I, too, I get the impression he moment. probably was able, there was lots of money about for all this sort of stuff, and he was probably yeah. able to get so many hundreds of thousands of yen, and yeah. it's like, right, you know, I, like, can, wow. I can produce 24 <laughs> minutes of an animation with that, and I can build my models with it, you know. <laughs> it's like sat in the meeting room, it's like, right, we've got 400,000 yen, how are we going to make sure that we basically reach a, a minimal viable product week by week and and work upwards to that to that budget it's like well i'm gonna just say right now that i'm gonna set about 180,000 yen aside to build my robots <laughs> and they're like hey, yeah good one no no i'm serious <laughs> that's 180,000 yen to for a, for a garage project yeah 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 well, what, hey, what kind that... of narcissist of his own uh, <laughs> Because he's like, yeah, man, this is my project. This is my yeah. baby. <laughs> what like, you're literally goes. writing off almost half of the budget to build a, the <laughs> sodding thing in a garage. <laughs> you like, can almost imagine it was that scenes. sort of thing. It's like, yeah. yeah, I'll give you this money, and then so so, so where's my um, you know, so where's where's the animation you did? Uh, well, yeah, the animation's over there. But look at these robots that I built. <laughs> like, yeah, it's models. like we're not we're not funding an arts and crafts project. Yeah, to be honest, which is a bit of a shame because I think the animation in Dragon's Heaven is really, really nice. It, I think it looks, it's got an unusual art style. Yeah, it's it's, it's very it's like, unique. It's almost cell shaded uh, in the sense, like it's like a the really color palette's really odd. I think it's yeah, like very bright. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, uh, do you remember the game Thirteen? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, I I, it, I think a lot of the scenes play out like a comic strip. Because it's got the it's got the mm. lines instead of yeah. you know shading yeah, yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. It's, it's it's drawn very gritty, which obviously would make sense for the the setting. Um, and I think even today, you know, thirty years later, I still think it's very very unique looking animation. I haven't really seen any anime in all the years and all the anime that I've seen that looks quite like Dragon's Heaven. You know, the mecha design again, I think is quite unique in it. Shine's design, I think, is really cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think that's a really, really smart robot design. Ikaru, you know, has a typical anime girl. Um, she was actually designed by um, Toshihiro Hirano, who directed Vampire Princess Miyu. And her battle suit that she dons, again, I think, is really cool. All that, you know, Kobayashi, uh, 
you know, that was where his genius was, was in that mechanical design. And you can understand when you look at all the, what, what he's done and where he's done so much mechanical design work, you know, that, that is his forte and he's very, very good at that. Mm. Um, the manga, I, I don't know how long the manga was. I, I guess it was quite a short manga because it probably was maybe a little bit more than what the, um, had a little bit more than what the, uh, anime showed. I, you know, I, I think he had enough, money to make those many minutes and he probably got a bit towards the end and was like i haven't got quite enough money to make the last three minutes of animation that i need and then and mm. then it ends um if only i hadn't spent all that money on smokes <laughs> and robots <laughs> the other thing you know the music you touched on i think is really mm. really good i think really the music really really fits um the kind of mood of the story and fits the what's happening on screen. I think that's really good. Interestingly, on some of the animation side, there's a bit where Cheyenne and Ikaru are sat at a cafe, and I think the proportioning is all a bit, I don't know, it's a bit out of sorts. Oh, yeah, and and there's, yeah. there's a few bits through it where I think suddenly Cheyenne looks massive, and then sometimes he looks a bit small. I think that yeah. that's a little bit, that's a little bit inconsistent. Yeah. Um, throughout it, but Cheyenne, I think, is quite an interesting character um, because he's played as a very human character. Mm. Uh, you know, he gets embarrassed when he sees uh, Ikaru naked. He sit there at a cafe, which I think is, I don't know, I found that a bit of an odd scene where they're sat there having a coffee in a it's uh, it's, cafe. It's, yeah, it serves. The one thing that this that the anim, anime does well is that it doesn't skip a beat on overcoming, you know, potential character like issues. So that entire scene is literally there to um, arrive. It's like a coffee table meetup to arrive at a compromise between the two, you know, people two to rely on each other, you know, one wants food uh, and the other wants, you know, justice. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, to overcome his rival. And you know, they sort of meet in the middle over coffee uh, as such. It's just that one sort of, I've, you know, I, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. We have an agreement. Like, yeah. uh, I suppose the coffee setting or the, the cafe setting sort of matches that informal Yeah, agreement. and like I say, because Cheyenne is portrayed as this very, very human, you know, he's a, a completely sentient AI. Yeah. I think it fits because it's a very human setting, sitting yeah. down at a coffee shop having discussing that in you know a very sort of friendly yeah. informal way so and they just come to a mutual agreement on each yeah. other's needs so it's yeah oh the other characters ikaru yeah she's kind of a just a typical spunky girl a bit like fandora um yeah. it's one of the reasons why i put the two together because i think the lead female characters are there's similarities in looks and in kind of what they are um yeah Ikaru is a lot a lot better molded though yeah so then again there's less of it for you to scrutinize <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah she has not only does like you know the food interest is sort of masked by the underlying you know i would kind of like to get back at the brazilian empire for you know killing my father sort of thing yeah um, so that's like another point for yeah i can't really argue with the character yeah. motivations and 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 such it's just like so in, in all I think it's a tighter story. 
that like sort of controls itself well through well-guided like animation yeah uh, action sequences and such uh but then decides to go look at what beautiful gemstone i've i've cried over 25 minutes cut for you and then decides for the last seg- sequence to cut it in half and ruin all its value <laughs> yeah i think it's yeah i mean it is an odd one like i say the i, I love the way it looks i love the design in it I think most of the bits, some of the action sequences especially, are very, very, very good. I find it quite interesting how Cheyenne, this probably won't mean too much to you, but he moves like a scope dog from Votomes. In the first battle scene against um, Orionis, he, he skates across the ground just like a scope dog does. And, yeah, you know, you it's can like, see... um, yeah. Go on. The, uh, I was going to say, it just, just uh, reminds me of the, it did remind me of the AI from Ghost in the Shell, the um, battle robots, what they're called. Oh, the um from, from the standalone complex series, uh, Takikomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He moved the same way, sort of like you know, a yeah. little bit of lag between the, the the thrusters and the skating through very gracefully, but it's like moves moves almost like a um almost like the um, Zeta Gundams as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a know, lot of weight to it. Yeah, you know, and he's he's from that era where all that Votomes. Zeta Gundam and all that was kind of happening, so you can see where he's he's clearly taken some influence from a lot of those sort of key mecha shows from the early to mid um, mid eighties. I think pretty much that's everything I've got to say about it. Really, it's I think it's a very very interesting time capsule of yeah a key period in anime i think i think it's a real it's a like we said at the beginning it's an indulgent pure otaku creation yeah yeah and i think really it was created to serve kobayashi and and no one else you know that's it's very self-indulgent yeah he only did it to please himself and if he made a bit of money off it then probably that was okay but yeah you could admire his artistic flair in that regard yeah. i suppose you know like, oh you know he's, he's just, he just did it for him and no one else he wasn't about to bow down to um conformity and standards and stuff like that yeah, yeah. you can I mean, you can make those arguments but at the same time you can't hold me up a polished gemstone and be like no, look at this this is incredible I, 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 and I, I, then you get closer and it's a bloody quartz yeah i agree i mean I, you know I, I really can't um, disagree with with that. Uh, you know the 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 live action bit at the beginning is completely inconsequential. The, the first twenty four minutes of it or whatever I think is really good. I think it's short but it it hits the beats. It 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 fills most of the key story plots, um, and then it's it's just kind of undone by a very very anticlimactic ending. Um, you know, and for me, I think. In reality, it's probably like a six or seven out of ten, but you know, I have to give it an eight for really for what it represents. I think it's, you know, I think anime would be poorer if something like Dragon's Heaven didn't exist. Yeah, that's an interesting point of view. Yeah, I think for me, at my point of view, um, being very, very perturbed by it. <laughs> And, and very rattled by the experience. Uh, in comparison to what we've also reviewed for this episode, mm. 
I cannot give it more than a four out of ten. No. Simply because I enjoyed that I had a better viewing experience with with Dimension Hunter and Pandora because it was just kooky and I was I I, I, I smiled a few times and just went what you know it's, it it was hilarious to me to watch and that was a more of an enjoyable experience. I couldn't give it more than a four out of ten or a five out of ten because it's 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 very poorly put together. But this one as well, it it just left a sour taste in my mouth despite what it represents yeah i get that i think i think anyone i think modern fans going back to it will will struggle with it um Mm. it's it is very unique but to be honest that's what i really love about it so uh, yeah it's like it's like me going back to spyro Mm. and and replaying spyro the dragon like i have such fond memories of it but i go back i went back to it mm, a few months ago now and I, i i sat down and played it and thought who on earth designed this control scheme? They deserve to be shot. Uh, and that's a very, that's, it's, I guess, like for me, it's like, oh, I, I hold this dear to my heart. But, yeah, you should uh, only remember that. I remember, I remember when we got you that for Christmas, that game. Um, yeah. When you got your PlayStation. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, it, it was dear to you. You loved that game. So it's, yeah. it's. Yeah, it's like funny, Sonic Adventure DX as well. Like I spent yeah. a lot of time on that. My GameCube that was that was the epitome of, of gaming for me in that early yeah. age. But yeah, it's it's just like returning to your childhood classics, then realizing mm. how poorly put together they were. Yeah, um, it's but the perfect little games for that time. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I think I agree. I think it's it's more it's difficult really to look back on, but. Like I say, I, yeah. I love it for what it represents. So yeah, and I agree with you 100%. It's it's the case of you know would the would anime be better off having it you know been created? Yeah, for sure, because it's just like you know Spyro, the gaming industry wouldn't be the same without Spyro or Crash Bandicoot etc. Yeah, the same could be said for Mecha Anime. It does set a milestone. Yeah, you know, the animation quality is incredible. Every Mecha moves with weight. You know, like yeah. Nadine. Um, El Medin moves with a little bit of grace because he looks like he's made out basically out of you know vines yeah. of, of, and stuff. So he's he's very springy and it, it, you get that from his the way he moves. And then it, Cheyenne he, he moves like he's very heavy, yeah. built to withstand you know the fight. Uh, so equality wise, it's, it's very good, but I can't give it higher than a four out of ten. Yeah, I say this, it's it's a bit of um. You know, to use your uh, gem analogy, it is a bit of a, a you know a flawed gem, really, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so that uh, wraps up all our reviews for this episode. What we're going to talk about on the next episode. So next time we're going to have a look at a couple of ninja films from renowned directors, and we are going to review Sword for Truth and The Dagger of Kamui. So, where to find us? You can find us on Twitter, at RetroAnime. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Podomatic, Stitcher and iTunes. Just search for RetroAnime Podcast. Please like, subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. You can find the podcast uh, on the website. I have done a little bit more work on that. I've tidied it up. I've embedded SoundCloud player into it now. Um, We're starting to get a bit of decent traffic from that. You can email me directly, do that, um, ian at retroanimepodcast.com. I am quite active on the Anime UK news forums. My username is organ. So that brings us to the end. So another good discussion there. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in one of our more, 
I think adverse episodes. We yeah. have very different opinions on on that one. So yeah, that was a good. One. And that was a good discussion. And that was good because I think that's, you know, I think the old and new eyes on on this stuff. I think you know that's that that brought some very interesting discussions. So yeah, another another enjoyable episode, Lewis. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Cool. Right. So until the next time, take it easy, Lewis. See you soon. Okay, take care, everybody. Bye.